0: After every disaster, after every kind of natural event, some reporter will be in the uh, shelter or will be standing in waist-deep floodwaters talking to a family, and, and somebody in the family will say, it's never been like this before. We never expected anything like this. There have been storms before but nothing like this. And of course, because they didn't expect anything like this, they weren't ready for something like this. And as we have seen in the recent storms, Florence been the latest one. The damage and the toll is devastating. We have a church-wide goal of 500,000 gospel conversations in the next five years. Now that's about two conversations a month per member, so that's really not as challenging a goal as it sounds. However, my, as I thought about it this week, here was my question. How many opportunities is God going to have to provide for us to end up with 500,000 conversations? Because we're not going to hit every opportunity. We're going to miss a few. So is that 750,000 A million, two million, before we finally get to the 500,000 number because we will have walked by all of those other opportunities because, ah, we've never seen anything like this. Oh, we weren't expecting anything like this. And because we weren't expecting it, we weren't ready for it. Paul is writing to his brothers and sisters of the church in Colossae. Believe it or not, one of the things he prays for is that he'll be ready when that opportunity comes. Stand with me now in honor of God's word as we read here in the fourth chapter of the book of Colossians. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the Word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Letting your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open the door to us for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I can make it known as I should. This is God's Word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Give us the desperation which Paul senses in his prayer that we'll know when the chance happens and we'll be eager when it does. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, Paul was in prison again. And if you follow the the career of Paul, you know that every now and then uh, he makes somebody mad for preaching the gospel and he has to go to jail. Go directly to jail. He does not collect $200. He does not pass. Go. He goes directly to jail. I think it was one of the ways that Jesus made Paul sit down long enough so that he would write a letter. Knowing Paul's personality, I don't think he would have volunteered to sit down and write out the theology that makes up most of our New Testament. I think chaining Paul to the wall was the way that Jesus got that done. So he writes to the church in in Colossae, and the letter to the Colossians is some of the thickest, richest, deepest Christology we have. It only has four chapters but you cannot read it in four days you will spend months in this book it is like chewing oatmeal the more you chew the more you get uh, and it, it is it is an incredible book to spend some time on and he talks about this is who christ is this is how he's revealed himself to us and he celebrates that and he says now this is how we are to live and he comes to the end of that And he says now Here's how I want you to pray. Now, this is one of not, not an unusual prayer for Paul. He prayed it all the time. At the end of uh, most of his letters, you'll find something like this. Uh, the letter to if, uh, the Ephesians has something very much like this. So, Paul comes to the end of the letter, and he says, One, I want you to pray. Now, when you hear Paul say, Pray for me, what comes to mind? Are you going to pray for him uh, by adding a sentence to your goodnight prayer, to your bedtime prayer? Uh, Lord, thank you for this day. Uh, Forgive me my sins. Be with Paul. Amen. Are you going to add another sentence to your blessing before you eat? Uh, We thank you for this food and the hands that provide it. uh, Bless Paul. Now, we do know that pray for you is is the way that Baptists say goodbye. If we get in a conversation we don't know how to get out of, we'll say, hey, I'm praying for you. And that's cue, we're leaving. (laughs) Now, when somebody says praying for you, one, you don't really think they're going to pray for you. And you're not sure what difference it will make if they do. Right? That's not what Paul's talking about. The phrase he uses and the words he uses are, are, it's the prayer of Jacob. Do you remember the prayer of Jacob? Do you remember when the story in Genesis where God jumps Jacob in the middle of the night by the river and the two wrestle all night and God says, let me go? And Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Do you remember the story that Jesus told about the persistent widow who bugged bugged the judge so much that he finally relented and heard her case and gave her the ruling that she wanted? And Luke tells us that Jesus told this prayer to his disciples so they would learn how to pray and not give up. Uh, Do you remember what Winston Churchill told the German ambassador uh, before World War II broke out? They were having a conversation, and and Churchill asked the German ambassador, do you know why the English bulldog's nose is slanted backwards? So that he can bite and not let go. He can still breathe. That's the kind of prayer that Paul is talking about. I'm going to grab hold of Jesus, and I'm not going to let go. I'll pray through the night. I'll pray all day. I'll pray and not eat. I'll pray and not drink. I'm going to grab hold of Jesus, and I'm not going to let go until he hears my prayer and until he answers my prayer. Pray like that. Few of us have ever prayed like that. Most of us will pray once, twice, maybe three times. And if nothing happens, we'll assume it wasn't God's will and we'll give up. Paul says, grab hold and don't let go. And when you pray, I want you to pray for two things. Now, Paul is in prison. What do you expect the prayer to be? Pray that the God, the Lord, will get me out of jail. Pray the Lord will get me a better lawyer. No, Paul never prays that. He assumes he is where he is because that's where Jesus has put him. And he assumes that if he is placed somewhere, he is placed there for the sake of the gospel. Did you hear that? He assumes that he is where he is because Jesus has placed him there. He assumes he's been placed there by Jesus for the sake of the gospel. So pray, one, that the Lord will open doors. We think that we're in charge of the evangelistic moment, we're not. Okay, We assume that if we learn all of the evangelistic techniques, if we learn all the questions and answers, and we get armed with all of our Christian knowledge, that we can find anybody anywhere and we can spew this knowledge on them and they'll respond. Jesus has to work in that other person's life before they're ready to hear whatever you would say. Like a farmer. He has to work the soil of that other person's soul so they're ready to receive whatever good news, whatever seed you would be able to plant. But until Christ is ready for you to speak in that other person's life, He's not going to open the door. He's not going to give you permission, which means that there are times when you will be with an unbeliever and Jesus will not give you permission to speak. We'll talk about that in a minute with some other things Paul says. But don't think just because you're at a dinner or something with an unbeliever that it's going to end up in an evangelistic conversation. It doesn't always do that. Sometimes you have to work the soil before you're able to plant the seed. You have to wait until Christ opens the door. Then you're ready to speak. When He gives you permission... Do you look at your day like that? Do you go through the day assuming that I am where I am because this is where Christ needs me to be? And if I am where I am, it's because there's a gospel situation around me. Do you you go through your day like that? I don't. Uh, And and one of the hard things about reading this passage is, is I kept having to confess and then try to think of something to say to you after I'd already said it to me. That was a hard, and, all right, well, let me tell you. All right, so I'm reading this, and the day that comes to mind is a day back in July. Now, how do I know the day? Because it was the day that Jesus brought to mind every time I read this passage. Do you remember this day? Yes, I remember that day. It was an awful day. I had been in Boston. Uh, our friend B.B. Winans has a play called Born for This. It's about uh, he and uh, C.C.'s life. And uh, it is a gospel musical that's getting ready to open in, uh, in, uh, in New York. And I got to see it while it was still uh, in Boston. And so I'm at Logan Air Force uh, Air- Airport. The next morning I'm there to catch a 1030 flight the plane broke. Okay? Something about a window falling out (laughs) that would have sucked everybody out when we were, you know. They flew a, uh, a mechanic up from Atlanta. Well, that took two hours. It took him two hours to figure out he couldn't fix it. So now it's Friday afternoon, and we were supposed to leave at 1030. Now it's close to 3 o'clock. Now everybody's panicking. How are we going to get out of Boston? So we're rerouting. We're standing in line. They're canceling that plane. That plane is full. And so I am thinking I'm going to write an email to everybody. (laughs) All right? All right? This has wasted my time. I'm angry. How can you not have a plane ready? How can you not fix a plane? That's your only job. You got one job. Right? Not one time did it cross my mind that maybe the Lord was holding me up for a purpose. Maybe there was somebody around there that I was supposed to encourage. Maybe there was somebody there I was supposed to listen to and then share the mystery of Christ as I know it. I never even looked. I never even thought about it. In fact, I was mad that Jesus didn't do something miraculous to that plane so I could get back. what if I had stepped back? What if I had put my bags down and just sat down and said, maybe there's a reason. You see, it's not about your comfort. It's not about my comfort. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ And if Jesus needs to inconvenience us during the middle of our busy day, he has the right and the authority and the privilege to do that. He can tell me to sit down and wait. He is king. What would he have told me if I had sat down I was texting Jeannie, I'm going to be late. She was texting me, I'm out at lunch with your mom. I got home at 10.30 that night. I was going to sue everybody. (laughs) (laughs) The next morning, we got the phone call to meet the ambulance at the emergency room, and my mom died. We had no warning. We never expected that. I wonder if I had sat down long enough. What Jesus would have told me. I never gave it a thought. Pray for me that the door will be opened and when it does that I'll be able to communicate the mystery of Christ as I should. And for you, be gracious with outsiders. Always, if the door isn't open, then preparing for that moment when it will be. Make sure your conversations always have a dash of salt in them. No, that doesn't mean that you talk salty to your friends. <laughs> Here's what it means. A s- salt is a catalyst. It makes food more of, it, of whatever it is. Uh, salt makes a tomato more tomatoey. Uh, it makes a chocolate chip cookie more chocolate chip. Okay? That's what it does. It reveals. What he says is, listen to the conversation so that you can hear what they're really asking about. When they're complaining about something it may not be what you think it is. Listen for those questions of identity that our world asks, who am I? Questions of purpose, why am I here? Of hope, does it really matter? These are the existential questions that are going on throughout our culture, throughout our society. And when you're talking with someone who doesn't know Christ, Put a little salt on that conversation. Make sure you hear what they're really asking for. And keep praying till the Lord opens that door. This week, the Lord will have you in a place where you're supposed to be. He'll have you there for the sake of his gospel. It may not be convenient. It may not be comfortable. But that's not what the moment is about. It's about the kingdom and his gospel. Let's pray together. As you pray, use this moment to pray for the conversations that the Lord will put in your path in this coming week. That you'll be ready to share the mystery of Christ. For others of you, you're the one that needs to have that conversation you don't know anything about the forgiveness of Christ you don't know anything about the purpose that he can give your life and, and that's okay we don't expect you to know that's why we have our friends out at the table out in the atrium and you it's easy to find big Science is next step they're there just tell them you want to you want to talk more about what Mike started talking about there at the end they'll pick the conversation up from there I promise you your life will be different when you leave Perhaps it's to come be part of our church fellowship. You come. Whatever it is, the Lord is waiting for you where you are. Our church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every every heart. So we pray the choices we make now are exactly what you want.